Well, let's see. I'm I'm live on YouTube and I'm live on Instagram. That took a minute, but we got there in the end, didn't we? Yes, we did. Because it's Monday night, Monday night on the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier, being accompanied as always by my friends, the Curry Brothers. I say friends we've never met. Well, digitally, but that's all. But they're still friends of the pod. I'm very appreciative of this epic theme song. This is Link Ray Gun. Get it in ya. Poor connection on Instagram. Oh, golly, I hope that resolves itself, because I don't know what to do. As noted, that was Link Ray Gun off of the epic album, We Are the Curry Brothers, available on Bandcamp. I do my best to remember to put a link to that in the show notes and frequently fail, because I am not a good person, but I do try. And if not, you could just look it up on Bandcamp. Curry Brothers, C-U-R-R-I-E-B-R-O-S. Maybe it's Brothers all the way. It doesn't matter. You'll find it, and it's worth every every penny you put into it. I love that record. Oh, golly, and we're getting a phone call. That's a terrible time to get a phone call, especially because it's going to be a robocall. Friends, do you even answer your phone anymore? I sure don't. Nah, pretty much never. Hey, let's get into this. We're having some fun tonight. I'm clearing my throat a lot. Just ate a nice fish curry. Mm, so good. I actually should have had this with my fish curry. It would have been delightful. I wonder if it would be a good pairing. Mm, put a pin in that. Uh, I'm not going to do this on camera because it's a very small pour. Because tonight, we are drinking gin. Yes, that's right, friends. Gin. I know, it's the Toronto Beer Podcast. But sometimes we dabble in the spirits. Sometimes I'll have a, a cider. Oh my gosh, this Instagram machine. Do me crazy. Uh, sometimes we drink spirits. And tonight we're drinking spirits. We're drinking gin. We're drinking gin from the Last Mountain Distillery. Properly face that towards the camera. Uh, I've actually been here. This is in Saskatchewan. In Lumsden, Saskatchewan. Which is... Uh, Nearish to Regina. I can't exactly remember. I feel like it was like a 45 minute drive, maybe. Anyway, Lumsden, uh, Last Mountain Distillery. They make an array of pretty cool products. Uh, they make a dill pickle vodka, which, needless to say, is great in a Caesar. Uh, they also make this uh, Granny's Gin. This is named for uh, one of the founders, Granny, who likes her gin. She's English. And don't. Uh, don't all the English enjoy a drop of gin here and there? Do you know about gin? I know a lot about gin. I could probably bore you about gin. This is a dry English gin. <clears throat> Not to be confused with a slow gin. Or, uh, what's the Dutch one called again? Genever. That's what it's called. Uh, anyway, this is a dry English gin. 
uh, clear, as is almost always the case. Sometimes you might get a tinge of color, sometimes pink. I've seen that before, but typically it's 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 clear. And the key is it's it's vodka that gets distilled a second time with botanicals added to it, and some of the taste of the botanicals come through. Sometimes those botanicals are uh, flowers, florally. Sometimes they're spices, uh, like spice cupboard spices, not spicy spices. Uh, sometimes it's other things. Uh, cucumber sometimes goes in gin, so. It can be a pretty wide array. Citrus peel sometimes gets in there. Uh, I've had this gin. You know what, though? I I sipped it uh, neat, as we say in the business, uh, when I visited the distillery uh, quite some time ago, five years ago. Um, but uh, since I got this bottle, by the way, my mom brought me this bottle. Oh, isn't that sweet? She's visiting from Saskatchewan. Uh, before you ask, no, I am not from Saskatchewan. I am born and bred right here in Ontario, in Scarborough is where I was born, and uh, now live in Toronto. Uh, my mom moved out to Saskatchewan. Uh, she is also uh, local. She is from Hamilton. But there you go. Uh, <clears throat> I digress. She brought me this bottle, and I thought, well, that'd be fun. Let's do that on the old, uh, on the old podcast tonight. So, uh, sipping spirits, a little different than sipping beer, for one, you're probably going to take smaller sips. For two, you want to be careful with your nose because there's actually alcoholic vapor coming off of this. Uh, I mean, it's not going to hurt your nose like in a long-term kind of way, but it can be a little uncomfortable. A good piece of advice I was once given for high-proof beer and spirits, when you nose it, when you stick it below your nose and inhale, leave your mouth open. Okay, it feels a little goofy the first few times you do this, but it will help. It will reduce some of that alcoholic heat. I don't know why. I do not know the physics of this, but that's what you do. Keep your mouth open. Hmm, so... I get some woody notes and some spice off of that. Uh... Sort of, um... Actually, it's funny, I say woody notes, um... It's 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 reminiscent almost of like sarsaparilla, um, so yeah, barky woody botanicals is the main note I'm getting off of that. There's obviously some uh, vodka e alcohol to it. It's there's an astringency to it for sure. It's not super floral on the nose. Maybe a little rose watery. But very, very delicately. Maybe like, uh, like lemon peel. A bit of lemon peel, maybe? That's a guess. <clears throat> Let's have a sip of the gin. I am drinking this out of a shot glass, by the way, if you're listening at home. Nothing fancy here. Just a shot glass. It's gonna get fancier in a second. Mmm. Sorry, that was an extended pause. I didn't mention this, but when I sip spirits, I really like to move them around my mouth a lot. Much more so than I do with beer. Partially because you're taking such a smaller volume of uh, liquid, you want to make sure it's kind of getting all over your mouth. Uh, whereas when I have a mouthful of beer, it's a mouthful. Uh, it's, it's easier. I'm going to take one more sip. There will be a, another prolonged pause. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whew. that's good gin. Not floral, almost, 
almost no floral notes on the palate at all. Very heavy on the spicing and uh, and again, like uh, bark. I know it doesn't sound super attractive, but yeah, like sarsaparilla or sassafras. Uh, there's a, a medicinally woody quality to it that's quite nice. Spices I'm trying to pick out. There's probably some pepper in there. Not sure what else. Maybe there could be something almost coriander-like. Like maybe coriander. Just putting that out there. Hmm. And definitely lemon peel. I, I would expect that there's lemon peel in the in the uh, in the list of ingredients. Now, uh, that's all I'm gonna sip like that uh, in terms of this gin. So take note, medicinally, not super floral. Uh, no like cucumber, that rose water I can smell, I'm not really tasting. This is like uh, a spice, uh, uh, earthy driven kind of gin. I'm gonna take, I topped the shot back up and uh, I have here a, a glass of, of tonic with ice and a chunk of lime and some Dylan's DSB bitters. That's just their standard bitters. Well, that ounce and a half wasn't quite enough, so we're just going to top that up a little bit more. There we go. Oh, and I'm going to hit the bottle off my mic stand. That's very professional. <clears throat> yeah, I've made myself a gin and tonic because this is my party. Just going to give it a little mix. Do you like a gin and tonic? This, by the way, uh, Schweppes tonic water. Part of the reason why I added the bitters. Uh, often go with fever tree. Very trendy, you know, very trendy, uh, but also very tasty. A um, little spendy, but that's okay. You know, I don't drink gin and tonic all the time, um, but uh, when I went to pick up tonic, I, I say I, I didn't. When tonic was picked up, Schweppes was what was on offer, and so Schweppes it'll be. It's a fine tonic. It works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a... Sorry, I have to close the output tray on my printer. Kind of like, as always, things that happen during the podcast that shouldn't, my refrigerator turns on and then off. Uh, also, uh, I always have to close my printer tray. I'm on arm says, Jen, yeah, I want one. Yeah, it's like a Caesar. Once you see one, you want one. Um, this is delightful. Uh, so, yeah. I want to be careful with the word bitter, but there's a nice sort of bitterness to this gin and tonic. Sort of the bitterness of the lime peel mixed with some of the uh, medicinal qualities of the gin. Quite nice. Very refreshing. And I'm not going to get malaria, I think. People ever tell you that? That's why they drank gin and tonics in uh, colonial India was because uh, uh, the tonic mainly, but uh, to some extent also the gin, would have quinine in it. Quinine, another bark, by the way. That's a woody, uh, like cinnamon, think like that. That's sort of the <clears throat> similar sort of thing, peeled off of a tree. Pardon me. Uh, quinine helps uh, prevent uh, mosquitoes. It's a, it's a deterrent. And mosquitoes are what spread malaria. So if less mosquitoes bite you, you're less likely to get malaria. Or dengue fever, as an aside. And having had dengue fever, I can tell you, it's no picnic. 
And if uh, drinking a gin and tonic could reduce my chances of that happening, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, yeah, how do you make your gin and tonics, friends? Mine, like I said, very, very simple. I like to make them in pint glasses with at least a double shot, sometimes a triple. Lots of ice. This actually doesn't have as much ice as I usually put in it. My, my general rule of thumb is you should fill the glass with ice with what we call two over, which means with the glass empty, just full of ice, two ice cubes, you should see part of them over the top of, of the, the glass. Not the whole cube, mind you, but part of two ice cubes should be protruding above the top of the glass. That's enough ice. And the reason why you put so much in is because there's enough thermic mass there that the drink cools down very quickly and then the ice isn't melting as quickly. If you put... People always think like, oh, you're putting in uh, so much ice, it's going to really water down the drink. It actually gets less watered down because less of the ice melts. Fact. Uh, you can do an experiment and check this out. Get two identical glasses, put four cubes of ice into one, put enough ice that you can see part of two of them over the top of the other, fill them with same temperature liquid, leave them alone for 20 minutes. By the way, same temperature, ideally at least cool. You know, water. That works. Something out of the fridge, fine. Um, fill both glasses up, leave them alone, 20 minutes, come back and look. The one that was full of ice will still be predominantly full of ice. The one that had two or three cubes in it will have almost no ice left. It will have all melted. Uh, so that's why we do what we do. Uh, I, of course, like a lime in my gin and tonic. I think, uh, hey, if you're on team lemon, that's fine. You're wrong, but that's fine. And if you're not putting fruit in your gin and tonic at all, what are you doing? <laughs> Came for the gin, stayed for the science. Thank you, I'm unarmed. Glad to hear that. Do the experiment. It's worth trying. Especially if you have jerk-faced friends who don't believe you. Uh, be like, look, I'm not trying to mess with you. I'm just trying to help you understand. If you want your drink to stay cold and not get watered down, you need as much ice as you can put in there. Added bonus. If, for instance, you have a pint glass and you fill it with that much ice, it's about 10 cubes of the cubes I use, which are these really delightful one-inch cubes. Really nice. Uh, that is fixed. That's a fixed amount of ice. It doesn't change. I mean, it would if you use less, but otherwise it's the same. Um, then you put in however much uh, gin you put in. You know, maybe it's two of these guys. That'd be great. That's also fixed, though. That's a finite volume. What's variable now is how much space is left in the glass, and it's not a lot, which means you don't put a ton of tonic in, which is how I like my gin and tonic. I like it, mostly gin. It's a little bit like how I like to make my gin martinis. Do you put vermouth in your gin martinis, friends? Because you're supposed to. Uh, I typically, if I'm feeling generous, will give the ice a rinse with, uh, with vermouth, pour out the rest. Uh, but more often than not, I just wave the vermouth bottle over uh, the gin before I shake it on ice. Because gin's just real good, especially ice cold. Mm. With an olive. Beautiful. Love it. Um, or a twist. I'll do a gin martini with a twist. You bet I will. Try and stop me. You can't. It's my martini. I do feel a little self-conscious drinking out of a straw on a camera. I feel like my face looks goofy, but what are you going to do? Gin and tonic, as noted. 
Last Mountain Distillery, Granny's Gin. Can you get this in Ontario? Don't think so. Not unless you have somebody coming from Saskatchewan. But if you happen to be listening to this and you are in the Saskatchewan region, and we have listeners there, I know, uh, check them out. Super cool uh, place. Super cool. Yeah, we got... um, What was it? We got the Dill Pickle Gin... I got a big bottle of this gin when I was there, and there was another quirky gin. Hang on, I have their, um, oh yeah, I didn't actually even read this. I have the page opened up for Last Mountain Distillery. Granny's Gin, a traditional English-style gin, dry English, created with Colin's grandmother Muriel in mind. Look, it's like I know what I'm talking about. Um, she came to Canada in 46 as a war bride, Oh, and she's been known to enjoy a gin and soda. Since starting Last Mountain Distillery, Granny's been asking for a gin. Granny's gin starts with our amazing vodka, which is then distilled through our blend of botanicals to make it not too floral, but dry. Just how Granny enjoys it. Granny, you're a smart woman. I approve of your taste in gin. Um, and I agree, not too floral. Mostly botanical-y. But what I was going to look up was the other interesting vodkas. They have handcrafted vodka, dill pickle vodka, spicy vodka, sweet Saskatoon berry vodka, sweet tea flavored vodka. My gosh, apple pie moonshine. Oh, you know what? I think it's we got an apple pie moonshine bottle. I think that's what it was. Yeah, that makes sense. And the dill pickle vodka. Mm-mm-mm. What a delightful place. So yeah, they're in Lumsden, Saskatchewan. You get yourself over there if you're in the Saskatchewan or Alberta region. Especially if you like delicious things. What are you going to eat with this? Well, as noted, I had a a yummy fish curry, and that would work well. In this case, that astringency, as well as the nice carbonation from the uh, tonic water, will cut through the creaminess of the curry very nicely. It was a fish curry, did I mention that? Uh, that's neither here nor there. It's just nice. I like it. Uh, yeah, to me, eating any Indian food with a gin and tonic, even if from a culinary point of view, it isn't necessarily the exact right match. It's one of those things that's just become the right match because of the history of it. Also, yes, I realize that drinking a gin and tonic while eating Indian food feels a little bit like you're supporting like colonialism, which I don't think you are. But if you're feeling that, go with it and stay away. You know what else would go pretty good with the gin and tonic? Thai food. Was Thailand ever colonized by the English? I don't think it was. Well, I have access to the collected knowledge of humanity here. Was Thailand ever colonized? Colonize. I was hoping it was going to autofill for me by England. Hmm. Pardon me. Formerly known as Siam, which I did know, where the term Siamese comes from, Siamese cats, for instance. Um, Formerly known as Siam, the Kingdom of Thailand was never a European colony, although it was sometimes under Chinese or Japanese influence. Throughout the 19th century, both the French and British tried to exert their influence over Thailand, ultimately unsuccessfully overall. There you have it. No, Thailand was not colonized by any European. I was going to suggest it was probably the Dutch, but it wasn't. 
Nobody was. It was nobody. Good for Thailand. Mm. Thailand, not a great record on the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Human rights uh, front, funny enough. Um, But a gin and tonic would go really, really well with a green curry. So that works, if you ask me. Um, It goes good with any, like, good summertime food because gin and tonics are so nice on a hot day. Just sitting out, having a gin and tonic. Whereas I'm not very seasonal with beer, like I'll drink stouts in the middle of summer and I'll drink lagers in the middle of winter and think that people who are picky about that are just crazy. I am seasonal with cocktails. (laughs) Gin and tonics are for hot weather, summer, vacation, whatever. They're for hot weather. Old fashions are for cooler weather. Margaritas are for any old time. (laughs) Any old time. Mmm. So good. I learned a fun fact. Learned a fun fact the other day. Listening to a podcast, as I do. I don't just make podcasts. I listen to them, too. I'm not just the founder. I'm also a member. No, is that what it was? Do you remember Hair Club for Men? Man, I could do with some Hair Club for Men. Getting bald up here, guys. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Fun fact about Thailand. Again, maybe not fun. Humans, human rights record. Not good. Not good. Uh, don't be a criminal in Thailand. Also, don't be a marginalized community. Also, like I was going to say, don't be poor. It's a developing country, but within the context of the developing country, don't be on the poor side of that scale. It's just not... It's not great if you're any of those things. Oh, uh, don't be gay, by the way. Did I mention that one? Don't be that either. Uh, As long as you don't be any of that, maybe you're going to do okay. If you're a Westerner tourist with money, you're probably going to be okay as long as you don't break the law. Uh, If you break the law, watch out. Uh, But other than that, you should be okay. Just don't don't do anything too stupid. Uh, But yeah, no, Thailand, not great human rights record. Funny, though... In surveys, generally is rated in third place in terms of Asian countries to Westerners. When you ask, like, who who are the best or the most trusted or like, you know, the most well-developed countries, it goes Japan, South Korea, Thailand. If you look at human rights records, according to like human rights watch groups, um, Thailand should be somewhere in the middle of the pack. They should not be in third place uh, historically. And their record's not, you know, disguised. It's, it's well known if you follow this sort of stuff. Um, again, as noted, there are a variety of people groups you do not want to be part of if you want to have a good time in Thailand. Um, homosexuality being a big one. I digress. Do you want to know why Thailand is in third place? Hey, Kevin. I hope the connection hangs in there for you. Thailand gets rated third place in terms of, like, the best Asian countries, according to Westerners. Because of Thai food. Because of Thai food restaurants. Now, have you noticed that you can go almost anywhere in the world, and there's probably going to be a Thai food restaurant? And if you live in a major city like Toronto... There's a Thai food restaurant on every block, basically. Have you wondered about this? Like, why aren't there that many Korean restaurants? Why aren't there that many Laotian restaurants? 
Have you ever even been to a Laotian restaurant? Do you even know what that means? It's a person from Laos. Fun fact. Have you ever eaten Laotian food? Probably not. Probably not. Why so many Thai food? What about Nepalis? I would love to go to a Nepali restaurant. There's actually one down the street. But hey, there's not a lot, relatively speaking. And they're all called Everest for obvious reasons. <clears throat> the reason being that Everest is partially in Nepal. Um, the reason why there is such a prevalence of Thai food restaurants in the West is because the Thai government has used it as a, uh, a an effective PR campaign. They literally subsidize Thai people to go out into the world to other countries and set up Thai restaurants <laughs> so that people identify Thailand with delicious food and therefore go, yeah, we don't really have to worry about what their actual human rights record is. Have you ever tried Pad Thai? What about those shrimp crackers? I don't even know what they're made out of. It's cornstarch. Um, yeah, that's how Thailand has successfully, I say tricked the world. Tricked is maybe a heavy word, but I'm going to go with it. Tricked the world into not realizing that they're actually not a great country if, again, you're not running right on the straight and narrow as far as they're concerned, uh, and instead go, oh yeah, I, I really like uh, uh, green shrimp curry. How many times have I listed Thai food in this podcast as being a good pairing for something we're drinking? Many, because it's very pervasive. Anyway, it was a podcast about sport washing and specifically about Saudi Arabia and the new Live Golf Tournament. Uh, and they were talking about other countries that have used other techniques to trick people into thinking that they're actually not that bad when they're pretty bad. That's how Thailand did it. Thai food. Fun fact. I'm not saying don't eat Thai food. It's delicious. Just make yourself aware of the political situation in Thailand such that you understand that while you're eating delicious Thai food, probably made by a wonderful Thai person, that doesn't mean that the country as a whole is doing a-okay, that there's still problems that we need to work on there. We got to the PSA early in this episode, and I haven't even PSA'd yet. Sounds kind of dirty. But I digress. What do we got coming up? You know what? I've completely lost track. I always say this. Are there events? Yeah. You know, Sada City typically does a pretty good uh, beer festival on Canada Day weekend in their parking lot. I don't know if they're doing that this year, but if they are, you should go. It's real good. It's a good excuse to go to Muskoka. So go up there, check out their Canada Day. You know what? Don't even check. Just go to Sawdust on Canada Day and say, where's the beer festival? And if there isn't a beer festival, just go into the tap room and drink a lot of beer there. Just have your own beer festival at Sawdust if they're not having the beer festival on Canada Day. When is Canada Day this year? That's a good question. Let's take a look. Canada Day 2022. Canada Day 2022. It's a, it's a Friday. Oh, that's great. That's great. Long weekend on a Friday. So Thursday, we're done work. I like that. That's a good feeling. 
Go up to Muskoka to Gravenhurst on Friday, July the 1st, and say, where's the beer festival? And if they say there isn't one, say, there is now. Let's fest. That's what you should do. Uh, what else? I know Toronto Festival of Beer is on. Tickets are available now. Um, let's look that up. I should throw in some information on that. Festival of Beer. It's Toronto's Festival of Beer featuring live music. Yeah, Nas, Sam Roberts, and the Revivalists. The Revivalists and Matt Mays on Sunday. Uh, oh my gosh. Saturday is Sam Roberts Band and the Strombellas. And Friday is with Nas. So they got it all covered. They got it all covered. But I would like to go on the Saturday. That is Saturday, July the 23rd. Pretty sure that's not going to happen. Sure, I've got a rugby game, but Toronto Festival of Beer. Look, guys, it's like owned by the beer store now. Okay, it was always a major festival with a lot of mainline beer. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Representation. That's fine. They also have a very, very thorough craft beer section. I helped organize pre-COVID a full inflatable igloo of uh, sours. It was real cool. Uh, the food is always really good. Yes, there are going to be huge experience areas, which is, just makes me feel gross saying, for like Bud Light and Bud Light Lime and Bud Light Seltzer and Bud Light Iced Tea. Just regular bud. Plus all the others. <laughs> that will be there. You don't have to engage with that at all. The music's great. There's ample beer opportunities. It's a cool location. It's really attractive. Chill. I like it. Great food. Usually uh, Thomas Hines cigars are there and you can get a cigar and make bad life choices. Uh, that's fantastic. So... Toronto Festival of Beer, a good opportunity to go to a large open space, drink a lot of beer. Are we ready for the PSA? Because I've now listed two festivals, one which might not exist, and you're just going to make up when you get there. Your mileage may vary. But we do need to talk about festival behavior, expectations, and the downside of festivals. And I got to be honest with you here. I did not appreciate myself. The big problem with festivals, because I am a straight presenting white dude. And as such, I have very specific experiences with beer festivals. Most of which are very positive. And in fact, the only negatives are generally based on my poor decisions. Never anything to do with the festival or the people at the festival. Yeah, sometimes at Toronto Festival of Beer, there's a few too many dudes around for my taste. And I don't mean men, I mean dudes. You know, bros. Bruh. And I play rugby with a lot of bros. But sometimes there's too many. So, 
my experience has been predominantly good, but I have been made aware <clears throat> that beer festivals don't represent the norm for particularly women, but marginalized people, but particularly women uh, within the beer community. I had assumed they were probably about as bad as any other aspect of the craft beer scene or the beer scene in general, which is to say, not great. Not a good, not a good time for those people. However, what I've been informed of and I've heard and listened is that festivals are actually awful, terrible places where women all the time are at least, at least ogled or spoken to inappropriately, but much worse and much more often also literally sexually assaulted. Right? Groped, held, kissed, whatever, without consent. And, and worse, by the way, uh, but, but this is, we, we didn't need to get worse. That was bad enough <clears throat> that apparently festivals are just rife with this. Now, it's actually kind of easy to understand how that's happening and wonder why that wasn't more obvious to me. Um, for many people, the point of a festival is to get real, 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 real drunk and when you're real, 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 real drunk, you tend to do stupid things, especially if you're a person who's generally terrible and can only just marginally keep that together sober. Um, all those bad characteristics are going to come right out when you're drunk and you're going to start smacking women on the ass or kissing them when they don't want to be kissed, uh, not reading uh, social cues or much worse, openly ignoring social cues. Um, and so for a lot of women, a lot of women won't go to festivals because it's just not worth their while. And the ones who do are mentally prepared to, um, yeah, have a fairly crap time with uh, with with the attendees. <clears throat> so. Do me a favor. Like, I want to say, don't be an asshole at a festival, but that should go without saying. OK, uh, if you're the kind of person who, after a couple of drinks, feels the need to sexually assault a woman, you probably shouldn't go to a festival and you should probably stop drinking. Because that's just not cool. However, if you're the kind of person like me. Who can go to a beer festival and not sexually assault anybody, male or female or otherwise, cool, feel free to continue going to festivals and drinking beer. But top secret, I've now told you, feel free to go and check out stories like on, on uh, Aaron Broadfoot's timeline or on Rad Magnets. They're there. You can read them. You can hear all about it. You now know because you're listening to me right now. And I'm telling you, especially for women, also for marginalized communities, queer people, people of color, Catcalling or bullying is way more prevalent at beer festivals than at, say, a beer pairing dinner, for instance, or a brewery event. Uh, there's way less oversight. There's security, but their primary goal is to just make sure people aren't falling down drunk or getting in fights. 
because it's an organization that runs the festival, but each brewery is there doing its own thing, not no breweries taking ownership over the area. And so even if you happen to know that there's a really cool progressive brewery nearby, it's possible that they don't have the capacity to help maintain order in that area, nor should they. But what it means is it's a bit like the Wild West. And so people do terrible things to other people, predominantly dudes doing it to women, predominantly. You now know this. So now when you see something, say something. If you see a person being awful to a woman, if you don't feel safe confronting them about it personally, grab a security guard and say, look over there. That's not okay. That person needs to stop doing that. This is your damn job. Go stop it. Right. Uh, On the other hand, if you are comfortable calling it out, call it out the instant you see it. Call it out if you're hearing homophobic slurs being thrown around. Call it out if you're hearing racism. Call it out whatever the problem is that you see. Now that you are aware, if you're going to go to the festival, now that's your job. Sorry. I'll be doing it too if I'm there. Right? This is what allyship looks like, is using your voice and using your position. I'm blessed in that I don't worry about what's going to happen to me if I call somebody out. Somebody takes a swing at me, eh, I've been punched. It's not the end of the world. If you're not comfortable with that, as I said, there are ways to deal with this. Security is on site. They're easy to find. There are cops on site that are easy to find. I'm not telling you to put your body at risk, put yourself at risk. I am telling you, if you see something, you have to speak up. You have to, because this will not get better if good people look away, right? So if you're going to go and you're a good person, great. You now have a new job and it's see something, say something. Okay. That's from me. If you see me at the festival, believe me, I'm doing the exact same thing. Also be aware of yourself. Be aware of what you're like when you drink. And if you think it's problematic, think about stopping drinking. Right. There's a lot of other things in this world that are pretty awesome. And if controlling yourself when you're not sober is a problem, you need to really consider what you're doing with yourself here, because that's not okay. By the way, very seriously, if that is a problem for you, there are ample resources and I would be more than happy to help you connect with them. Um, whatever it is that your needs are, if it's a program, if it's an inpatient, if it's just some support, whatever plenty of, of resources to help deal with problem drinking. And, uh, and I, I come from a family of problem drinkers, believe me. Um, this is something that can, you can fix, you can get help. So if that is a problem, and, and like I say, if you need help finding resources, make me your first stop, happy to help. Uh, otherwise, if you're a responsible drinker, you're welcome to go to those festivals, even if it's one that you invent for yourself at Sawdust. But especially, sorry, I don't think I pointed this out. Yes, you need to be a not problem drinker. Also, if you are in the majority of the festival, i.e. a straight presenting white guy, your job is now to call out nonsense behavior when you see it and to be a real ally to the people who need your help, right? You probably have never thought about it either. That's okay. You've heard it now. Give it some time, give it some thought, and realize what you're going to do at festivals from now on is be the bad behavior police. Again, you don't have to stop it. You can get somebody else to stop it. But when you see it, you 
have to do something about it. You just have to. If that's not something you can do, that's cool. Don't go to the festival, right? Leave it for other people. The worst thing you can do is condone the behavior by not doing anything to correct it. You are becoming complicit in it. So if that is a problem for you, then don't go, right? And if it's not a problem for you, if you're cool being complicit in that behavior, then definitely don't go. Because there are people like me who are not cool with that and will make our opinions very well known. So that's the real PSA today, right? We need to do better at festivals. I love going to beer festivals and it sucks that there are a ton of people who just can't go because of their gender or because of who they love or because of what color their skin is. That's not okay. That has to change. And how long have we been fighting this fight? Are we going to fix it this summer? No, but we sure as hell are going to try, right? That's all we can do is push forward and keep trying to make it better. So there's your project, kids. Check out Toronto Festival of Beer if you want. But be ready, because you're probably going to have to speak up at some point. It's rife. It's rife. And that's not just Toronto Festival. That's every beer fest. So, PSA done. Don't forget, if you're in Saskatchewan, specifically Lumsden, but I'm sure they have distribution throughout the province, check out Last Mountain Distillery. Very cool distillery. Very, very cool. We're drinking Granny's Gin tonight, now in the form of a gin and tonic. Mmm. Such a delightful drink real I always feel classy drinking a gin and tonic don't know why way classier than drinking an old fashioned can't explain that one at all anyway that's what we're drinking that's what we're loving we're gonna let Rob Curry and the Curry Brothers spin this one one more time I will be back here in one week then not the following week because that is Canada Day even though Monday is not the holiday I'll probably still take it off deal might even be a season reset I don't know. We'll figure that out in time for next week. In the meantime, if you can, take care of somebody, take care of yourself, be good to each other out there, and I will meet you back here in seven days.